So here tonight, we, um, we're in 1 Samuel chapter 14, and um, it, it picks up pretty much, uh, it seems to be chronological. Look there at the end of chapter 13, there in verse 23. Uh, there's the Philistines, the enemy Philistines. Um, it says the, the garrison of the Philistines, Philistines. I can't agree on the pronunciation in my own mind, so I keep saying it differently. The garrison of the Philistines went out to the passage of Michmash. Uh, and that's where they are. That, the chapter ends there. The, the Philistines have kind of taken up this. Uh, it's a strategic location, but it would be a, a very rocky and difficult terrain there. And we'll see some allusions to that here in chapter 14. Now, uh, chapter 14, we, we can't get through it tonight. I won't, I won't try to do that tonight, although I was tempted to, Marilyn. Uh, it's more than 50 verses, and it would probably be too much to get through on, on Wednesday night. But uh, what we'll see here before we're done, Brother Ray Metric, is you see um, portraits of two men in this chapter. You see Jonathan. Now, who is he to Saul? He's Saul's son, right? He's one of Saul's sons. And uh, in this chapter tonight, you see a very faithful Jonathan and God blessing him with him. There we go, with direction in battle. And what is very obviously a supernatural victory, sister. God just gives faithful Jonathan. Uh, there's no question at all it's a supernatural victory. He and his, uh, one, his companion, one man, uh, come at the Philistines here in the area of this, this passage from the end of chapter 13. Uh, and very quickly, they have a victory that just should not be possible. Brother Art, anything is possible with the Lord, right? With God, all things are possible. And you, you'll see that here tonight. And it's very evident that the Lord here is showing us um, what he can accomplish uh, in the life of one or two faithful believers. If, if we'll just put our faith in the Lord and, and look to him and let him guide us, much, much can be accomplished. And, and I praise God for that. I'm, Clearly, it was true um, in Saul's day and Jonathan's day, and, and clearly it's still true today. You've seen that many times, right? One or two faithful people get busy praying, get busy doing for God, and uh, much can be accomplished. Well, we'll see that initially. Uh, before we're done, uh, Lord willing, next Wednesday night, I believe we'll, we'll see the, the balance of this. We see, in contrast to Jonathan's faith, his faithfulness, and the supernatural victory that God gives him, uh, we see Saul, his dad, and, you know, dad's not completely unfaithful, Brother Art, but he's, he's certainly far less faithful, and his faith, his faith seems to vacillate. He's, you know, he'll get pretty serious, and then he, he vacillates, and uh, we'll see his unfaithfulness encouraging his spiritual vacillation, and then we'll see the consequences of that. We'll, we'll see the consequences uh, and they're not blessings. They're, they're really not blessings at all. So uh, here you have a, so very clear portraits. There's literal history, but, but God through this history is giving us uh, clear teaching, portraits of two men that teach two lessons. Faithfulness is something that God can bless and accomplish miraculous uh, accomplishments through, whereas someone who's faithless or vacillating uh, tends not to see uh, those kinds of spiritual victories in their life. I'm going to pray, and we'll jump right in here to 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 1. Let's pray. Father, we do. Lord, we thank you so much tonight for the privilege to be in your house. I know uh, we're few in numbers here tonight, Lord, but I thank you for these uh, who are able to be here tonight. Lord, I'm so grateful. Uh, I know some are not able to be here for different reasons, and Lord, we pray that they would not be discouraged tonight. 
We lift them up to you, Father, and pray that you'd have your hand upon uh, them and and just uh, comfort and encourage each one, Father. Uh, Lord, we've not forgotten them, and certainly we know that you haven't either. And I pray, Lord, that you'll just bless tonight. Lord, we pray that you'll work here now. I pray that you'll work in our hearts uh, as we dig into your words. I, I know tonight we'll be encouraged uh, you will be instructed, Father, and uh, I pray, Lord, that more than anything, Lord, that your will will be accomplished here tonight, that you would work in our hearts exactly as you desire, Lord, that you will lead and guide me uh, in my thoughts and my words. I pray tonight, Lord, you not let me say anything that you would not have to be said here uh, in this service, but Lord, that uh, my words would be yours. Father, we pray that you'll work here now as we look at um, Jonathan Uh, and Saul. Lord, help us now. Lord, I love you. I thank you. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, are you in 1 Samuel 14? Is that where you are? All right, let's let's jump in here. So 1 Samuel 14, uh, here's Jonathan, not unlike what we saw in chapter 13. Uh, He's out there after the Philistines, uh, smiting them uh, at this garrison here that they've established, and we saw a reference to in the last chapter. Verse 1 says this, Now it came to pass upon a day, uh, I don't know what day, but a day, that Jonathan, uh, the son of Saul, said unto the young man that bare his armor, his armor bearer, his assistant, if you will. He said uh, to his helper, to his armor bearer, he said, Come and let us go over to the Philistines' garrison. Uh, this kind of outpost for the enemy. Uh, he says that is on the other side. And so he says that. He says to his, his helper, his uh, kind of number two guy, his armor bearer, he says, come, uh, let's you and I, let, let's go over there. And he, he's getting ready to launch, um, you might look at this and say, very wise, unwise, forgive me, unwise attack uh, on, on the Philistines. Uh, you might say it's especially unwise given the last uh, sentence in verse 1. What's that last sentence say? But he what? He told not his father. Now, we saw in the last chapter or two, uh, the Philistine army, Maryland, it was no joke, right? It was a big, powerful army. Uh, it was massive. It could easily overwhelm, uh, you know, a, a smaller uh, Israeli army. Uh, and here's Jonathan and one man uh, does it say anything about them having troops with them? Not, not in this verse, at least. Jonathan says to one man, his armor bearer, come and let us go over to the Philistines' garrison. Uh, he's going over there to harass, perhaps to provoke, but uh, we, we'll see sooner or later here. Uh, we will see it, I promise you, uh, that, that he's there to have a victory against this um, invading enemy that has oppressed the people a great deal. Uh, during this time of the history of the nation. Now, <laughs> it is very interesting. He, he doesn't tell his father. He does not tell his father. And as we go along here, I think the reasons why uh, the Lord allowed him not to tell his father become more and more clear. So why don't you be thinking about that? What would be the reasons that it's two men and not two men in an army? Uh, what would be some reasons that he would not tell his father, okay? It's not that dad doesn't have troops because in the next verse we see he does. He still has the troops that we saw uh, in, in chapter 13. Saul tarried, verse 2, uh, in the uttermost part of Gebeah, back home, 
under a pomegranate tree. Brother Art, probably wasn't a foot of snow on the ground underneath that tree. Uh, under a pomegranate tree, I'm sure it was very nice, which is in uh, Migron. Uh, and the people that were with him were about 600 men. Now, I know that's not a lot of troops, especially against a massive uh, Philistine force, even uh, the, the forces that were likely garrisoned at their outpost um, at, um, uh, at where? Uh, at Michmash. Um, but he's got 600 men. So Jonathan has one man. Uh, he's, he, Saul has 600 men. And you would think, well, there might be wisdom in telling that and uh, asking that if he'd like to uh, assign those 600 to go uh, out on this campaign with us. We don't see that, though. Instead, uh, we just have a little bit of information here about what's happening with Saul. Uh, we see that there, there's a priest there with Saul. Uh, verse 3 says this, and Ahiah the son of Ahitub, uh, Ichabob's brother, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, uh, the Lord's priest in Shiloh wearing an ephod. So uh, there's priests there with him, and he'll factor into the account before we're done here. Uh, Bible says again, and the people knew not that Jonathan was gone. So Jonathan and one man head out to go after the Philistines at, at this garrison at Michmash. Uh, he doesn't tell his dad, Saul, and none of the people know. So they're not going, nobody's going with him because he's not told them and, and they don't know. Now, I want you to see here the description of the, the topology or the ge geography of, of where he's going to meet uh, the enemy here. So this, that place, that pass, evidently, that we see at the end of the last chapter, it looks like it would be a pretty tough place, Brother Art, to go and attack an enemy. Uh, and you think about why is the Lord, why is the Lord using this situation, this setting, uh, and giving us these details? Verse 4 says this, and between the passages, not two different accounts, but uh, the passages there in, in the, um, in the, um, Oh, between rocks, between, between cliffs, if you will. Between the passages by which Jonathan thought to go over unto the Philistine garrison, there was a what? What does it say? Sharp rock. That's not good, Carolyn. Uh, on the one side, and what was on the other side? A sharp rock. So on both sides of this passage that he's going to have to uh, travel through to approach this enemy, uh, there's sharp rocks on either side. The name of the one was Bozes. Uh, that, that literally has the idea of height or heightened, so it's tall, uh, sister, it's, it's tall and sharp. Uh, and the name of the other is uh, Sena, uh, which is pointed rock or, or sharp rock. So uh, we know from the description, we know from the names that have been given to these places, Maryland, this would be a tough place uh, to travel through. And uh, it's just two men, Jonathan uh, and his armor bearer. No one knows they're there, uh, and they have to travel through this difficult, dangerous uh, made, made more dangerous by the difficulty of the terrain, uh, it, it just doesn't look like a, a situation, uh, Brother Ray, where they could expect to have a victory. Uh, verse 5 says the forefront of the one was uh, situated north, uh, northward over against Michmash and the other southward over against Gebeah. So that kind of gives us uh, a little bit of the, uh, the situation or, or the setting here. Now, once you see here, uh, we, could, we could argue perhaps that Jonathan is simply being unwise or disrespectful or various negative words. I do not believe that's what the Lord is showing us here at all. I think the Lord is uh, working sovereignly in the situation and the history here in Jonathan's life to, um, to create an opportunity for Jonathan uh, to demonstrate courage that is not based in foolishness or youth, 
uh, or any kind of like insurrection or disobedience to his dad, but rather uh, something very different. So I, I don't, don't I, you might be tempted to say this is just a, a, an unwise young whippersnapper out doing stuff that he shouldn't be doing, harassing the enemy unwisely. I don't, I don't think that's what it is at all. Because what you see here is him uh, looking to the Lord for guidance and then following the guidance that he asks God for and then God blessing him with a victory. So I'm, I'm going to conclude that this is uh, according to God's will and, and God wants to show us some things here that are predicated on or, or based on uh, courageous Jonathan with a courage that's based on a faithfulness in the Lord. So see verse 6, Bible says, Jonathan said to the young man, uh, let me try again. Jonathan said to the young man that bear his armor, his armor bearer, his helper, his number two man, come and let us go over unto the garrison uh, of these uncircumcised. That's, that's not real polite uh, language. He's, it's kind of a put down, right? And we're the circumcised uh, Hebrews, the Israelites. They're the, they're the lowly uncircumcised. But I mean, you understand, you understand the point here. These are not God's people. They're not faithful people. Uh, they're the enemy, unfa the unfaithful enemy people. Uh, it may, then he says this. He says, this is really what I want you to see. It may be that the Lord will what? Work for us. He says, let, let, let's, let's continue on. But let's look to the Lord. He says, you know, uh, I'm, uh, the, uh, the idea here is I'm, I'm going to trust that God is going to work for us. He says it may be that God will work for us, but there's, there's a hint of faith here at least. Uh, because he goes on and he says at the end of verse 6, he says, For there is no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by what? Few. He says, you know what, Mr. Armor Bearer? Uh, we, we could snake our way up this difficult, dangerous canyon here with shark rocks on either side. Just two of us over all of the uh, enemy uh, Philistines who, who are garrisoned here. Uh, and you know what? God can work through just two of us. Uh, Marilyn, it looks unwise to us. It, it looks, you know, like foolishness or, you know, the, the error in, in foolishness of youth. It might look that way. But Jonathan's not going forward with that kind of heart. He's He's embarking on this mission, on this campaign, uh, with a faith that God could accomplish something supernatural, uh, a victory over the enemies of the people through just two faithful men. Uh, can God do that? He absolutely can. Uh, he works today in, in big churches. Uh, he works in smaller churches like ours. He works in, in big groups of people. He works in and through small groups of, of faithful people. The, the difference is that we're going to see again in this chapter is uh, faith uh, versus a lack of faith. What, what can the Lord accomplish through faith uh, versus a lack of faith? Jonathan says there's no restraint to the Lord uh, no, no restraint to the Lord to save by many or by few. He's saying God can do whatever God wants. He can use a big group uh, against a, a big group, or he can use a small group to give a victory uh, as, as ever he uh, wishes. I think I quoted this verse already, but um, make a note, Romans 8.31. In that verse, the Bible says, if, if God be for us, what does it say? If God be for us, who can be against us? And and I realize that verse came uh, hundreds of years after Jonathan. <laughs> I understand that uh, in more than that. Uh, but it, it was true in Jonathan's day, and, and it's still true. If, if God be for us, uh, who can be against us? That's the second part of Romans 8 and verse 31. So let's go on. Uh, verse 7, his armor bearer said unto him, Do all that is in thine heart. Turn thee 
uh, Mr. Jonathan, behold, I am with thee according to thy heart. You've got one man who's going to be uh, loyal, faithful to him. Uh, good thing, because he's the only man. He's the only man that's there with him. Uh, he knows that Jonathan's heart is to uh, go forward in God's guidance and trusting God and, and looking for God to accomplish something or not, but just putting himself in God's hands. And um, this man can say, evidently he can say, you know what, uh, I'll follow someone who's following the Lord. Amen? He said, I'll follow someone who's following the Lord. And, uh, you know, hopefully that's the case in churches uh, like ours. Hopefully your pastor's following the Lord. You can follow your pastor. Uh, hopefully that's the case in good churches around the country today. Uh, we want to follow people who are following the Lord. Marilyn, there's no danger in following someone who's following the Lord, right? Uh, the danger is when you're following someone who's not following the Lord. You follow them right over, right over a cliff, right? Uh, so we be sure who we're following. This man understands that he's following a man who's following the Lord. And so it's easy to him just to quickly, I think he's already on the bandwagon, but to continue forward uh, in, in Jonathan's, uh, in support of Jonathan here. So we see Jonathan's strategy is, is to do just this, to seek the Lord and uh, and to follow the Lord. He, he kind of puts out a little bit of a fleece here. And I understand we, we really aren't called to this sort of thing today, but, but God honors this uh, here in verses 8 and 9. The Bible says, Then Jonathan said, Behold, we will pass over unto these men. We're going we're to march up to where the enemy is, uh, and we will discover ourselves unto them. We will reveal ourselves to the enemy. I don't know, Jonathan, does that seem wise? Uh, verse 9, he says, if they say unto us, tarry until we come to you, he says, listen, we're, we're going to reveal ourselves to the enemy, and if they say, wait there until we get down there, he says, then we will stand still in our place, and we will not go up, we will not go up unto them, but, verse 10, if they say to us, when we reveal ourselves to them, and they see us, and they say, hey, come up unto us, then we will go up. Why? What's the idea here? He says, for the Lord hath delivered them into our hand, uh, and this shall be a sign unto us. So I don't know if the Lord has laid this upon Jonathan's heart. I think that's probably the idea. Uh, they're they're going to march up to the enemy. Uh, the enemy's gonna, clearly going to be occupying the high ground there. They're going to be occupying the low ground. Uh, you, you could picture this. They say, we're going we're to reveal ourselves to the enemy and see what happens. If they say, wait there till we get there, we're going to know we got a problem. But if they say, hey, come on up here, uh, we're going to know that God's in this, and we're going to go up there, excuse me, and we're going we're gonna to take this enemy. So uh, this is, this is the, the test, if you will, that they will employ uh, as, as direction from the Lord. How exactly do they know this? Uh, well, I don't know exactly. Again, I'd say God has probably laid this on Jonathan's heart, but I think the, the bigger, uh, we, we don't know all the mechanics or the underpinnings of this. God's not seen fit to reveal that to us, Marilyn, but what he has shown us here is that Jonathan, is, is, his courage, uh, as I've said already at least six times probably, is based on his trust in the Lord. And you see here a man who is absolutely committed to uh, to going forward with the Lord's guidance. Uh, and so that's what he does. He, he launches his attack, verse 11. Both of them discovered themselves 
uh, unto the garrison of the Philistines. So they march up there where the Philistines could see them. And the Philistines said, behold, uh, the Hebrews come forth. And, you know, they meant that kind of like a slur too, right? Uh, the uncircumcised, that was kind of a slur. They, they, the, the Philistines call these two men Hebrews uh, as, as sort of a slur. Uh, behold, the Hebrews come forth out of the holes where they hid themselves. They're mocking them. Uh, the world has mocked God's people, you know, always. Uh, and, and the world is mocking God's people right here. Here's these Hebrews. They're come out of their holes uh, uh, where they hid themselves. Verse 20, the men of the garrison answered Jonathan and his armor bearer. See what they say, because this is the thing, right? They said, come up to us. By the way, Zach, why would it be up to them? I was asked that question, why you go up to Jerusalem, but uh, Jonathan and his armor bearer, they're kind of like down in the, the valley, right, between these two rock, uh, dangerous rock walls. It seems like the, um, the, the garrison of enemy troops, the Philistines, they're up high, right? So they're kind of, they're, they're yelling down to them, hey, uh, you, you, you Hebrews, uh, you, you come out of your holes, huh? Well, I don't know, what do you want? Come on up here and tell us what you want, is, is the idea. Well, this is exactly what Jonathan was looking for as a sign from the Lord uh, to know uh, that God was in this and that he would deliver the enemy uh, into their hands. Uh, and so uh, Jonathan, uh, toward the end of verse 12, middle of verse 12, Jonathan said unto his armor bearer, come up after me uh, for what? Uh, for the Lord hath delivered them into the hand of Israel. That's faithful man. Now, stop and think again about the situation, please. Uh, it's Jonathan and one man. Anybody else with them, by the way? Anybody else? No other men, right? But is there anyone else with them? No other men. The Lord's with them, right? So, yeah, there's no other men with them. It's Jonathan plus one uh, plus the Lord against this garrison of enemy troops here. Um, and, and they're coming through this uh, difficult, dangerous terrain where the enemy has the high ground. And that's not an easy thing, right? They're going to have to climb up to the enemy that occupies the high ground. Uh, and it's going to be two guys plus the Lord plus uh, a large, uh, presumably large force uh, of enemy troops that, that have the high ground there. This, and no one knows. Uh, Saul doesn't know. The people don't know. They're not waiting kind of further off in the background to see how it goes and to come rushing in if, if things don't go well. So uh, if Jonathan is going to continue forward with his one man and the Lord, he's really going to have to trust the Lord because this does not look like a situation where they could prevail. Just practicalities, just kind of the, the basic military setting there doesn't look like a, a place where two guys could reasonably expect to have a victory. Naturally, they couldn't, but supernaturally, they will. And this is all about faith. So Jonathan and his armor bearer and the Lord uh, miraculously continue up toward the enemy uh, and the Bible says they immediately slay 20 men. Two men immediately slay uh, two times what is 20? Ten, ten times, uh, ten times the number of uh, enemy forces here. Verse 13, Jonathan climbed up uh, upon his hands and upon his feet. Evidently, it was a real climb. 
Uh, and you know they could be seen for sure, and uh, this is just not easy. Uh, and his armor bearer followed after him, and they fell before, uh, and they fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer slew uh, after him. So Jonathan and his armor bearer, they just as they get there, as they encounter uh, the Philistines, they just begin to slay them. How is this possible? It's two on, on however many are there. Uh, they they don't occupy a strategically. Uh, great place. Uh, they're coming at an enemy that occupies the high ground. Verse 14, uh, and that first slaughter which Jonathan and his armor bearer made was about how many? What does it say? How many men? Verse 14. 20. Uh, within, as it were, half an, a half acre and half acre of land uh, which of yoke of oxen might plow. So uh, they were able to, to get up <laughs> To the, to the higher place there and attack without being killed themselves uh, and to uh, slaughter, to uh, conquer, to kill uh, 20, 20 enemy troops just like that right, right, right off the bat. How's that possible, Zachary Hammond? How's that possible? Who makes that possible? The Lord makes that possible. He can give that kind of victory when the totality of the situation, every detail, just from a natural, practical perspective, every detail of that situation says, nuh uh, don't, don't do that, Jonathan. Uh, go back. Go back home. Get, <laughs> get back home. Don't do this because there's just no reason apart from the Lord, to think that you could have a victory here uh, over these in, invading um, enemies. Uh, and yet he went forward in faith, trusting the Lord, yielding himself to God's direction, and waiting upon the Lord to see, would God give the go-ahead uh, to continue up <laughs> the, the side of the valley there and attack or not? And you know, you have to believe if God said no, if, if the message from the Lord was no, that they would not have done that. But they, they have gone in faith, and they have followed God's direction. They've sought God's direction, and they have followed God's direction. And what? God blessed them with a victory, a supernatural victory that should not have been possible. Is God still doing that? Is, can, can he still do that? Can he still do that? Brother Ray, how many, how many situations, even in a smaller church like ours, we know there's, there's just any number of situations, right, where it just looks like it would be impossible to kind of have a victory in that situation, right, for, for something to be accomplished that you, a certain trial or, you know, you don't, just whatever it is, plug, it, plug in your own trial, just seems like there's no way there could be a you know, victory in that situation, and yet you... You yield to the Lord, you, you begin to pray about it, you seek God's direction, uh, and you yield yourself to the Lord, asking him to help you do that, and, and God blesses by getting you through that situation. I mean, we, uh, certainly we, we see that all the time. Uh, Brother Art, praise God, that he, he's continued to work in your uh, trial of affliction, and uh, you, you've had more than one affliction in recent months, right? Uh, and, and each time you've just said, okay, God, here I am. You know, do with me as you will. I'll trust you, Lord, uh, to do what you will, and, and God has. Uh, COVID wasn't easy, but you got through it with uh, not too much trouble. And um, I, think it's, I think I have permission to share that it, every indication right now is that there, there's no more cancer. That's every indication right now. There's going to be one more test to confirm that, but... 
every indication right now is that, that you're cancer-free and that you, you may not need any more treatment. We're going to pray that that's the case tonight, but I know that even if it's not the case, this brother just go forward with the courage from the Lord, giving it to God and, and letting God do what God will do and just trusting God, what, what, God, whatever you want. And, you know, it's the same God that did this miraculous thing, gave, gave Jonathan this, this courage from the Lord as he put his faith and trust in the Lord and then accomplished what the Lord chose to accomplish in, in the, the life of that faithful man. God is still doing that. Uh, Zach, I'm thankful that, you know, we, we, we don't have to march through a valley tonight to attack an invading enemy, but, you know, we have trials, right? There, there's trials that, that poke themselves into our lives, and, uh, and we have to deal with them. Well, God continues to work. So right now we've seen God has started to work uh, supernaturally, uh, and he continues to work supernaturally. Um, and, and isn't this just God's way? He'll, 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 he'll give you uh, a victory to, you know, a degree of victory to encourage you, uh, and then he'll just ramp it up. He'll, he'll, he'll just ramp it up. So in verse 15, we see there was trembling in the host. Uh, the Philistine army was afraid uh, in the field and among all the people there, the garrison and the spoilers. Remember, they sent out some, some troops to go and uh, round up provisions. Uh, they also trembled. They were afraid. They saw something happen here that was, shouldn't have been possible. It's not natural. They, they didn't know what to think of it. Uh, they trembled. They were afraid. Uh, and then this, the Bible says, and the earth, what? Quaked. What, what's, that's an earthquake, right? Now, the Bible doesn't say, oh, it says, so, so it was a very great trembling. The people were trembling. Uh, and the Bible says the earth quaked, and it was a very great trembling. You know, that could be poetic language. That could just be describing how afraid, how, how severe, how severely fearful those men were. But uh, I think there's an actual earthquake in picture there. Uh, the Bible says the earth quaked, uh, and the earth quaked, so it was a very great trembling. Zach, I think God caused an earthquake there uh, to exacerbate the fear that the Philistines were already experiencing. Jonathan went in faith, uh, and, and God blessed with a supernatural victory immediately, uh, and the enemy suffered uh, fear, uh, and God worked supernaturally to exacerbate that fear. Uh, God caused an earthquake. By the way, can God do that? You have power like that, Brother Garcia? You've got a pretty powerful God, man. Yeah, we do. Is he any less powerful? Is he tired out, Marilyn, from doing earthquakes back in Jonathan's day? God, God still rested? No, he's not, right? He doesn't get tired out. He's omnipotent. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. Uh, he doesn't get tired out. It's hard for us to understand that because we do. Does anybody here ever get tired out? You tired out tonight? Anybody? <laughs> It's hard for us to understand how God could do something like this and, and not be the slightest bit worn out by that. I can't comprehend that. Brother Ray, that, that's just hard, hard to comprehend, isn't it? And yet that's our God. Uh, he, he just jumped in and, and, and grew the fear uh, of the enemy. Now, there's a reason for that. God doesn't just do stuff because. We've said that many times, right? You can, you can almost always see if God is acting, if he's doing something, you can almost always see or at least, you know, make a reasonable guess as to why. God acts with purpose, amen? He doesn't just do because or for no reason. Uh, God always acts with purpose, as far as I can see, at least in Scripture. Uh, he always acts with purpose. He spoke creation into existence. 
Uh, that was with a purpose. He brought the people out of Egypt and did that miraculously. Of course, he had a great purpose for that. Uh, he sent his only begotten son, Marilyn, miraculously took on flesh uh, uh, in Mary's womb and, and was born. And why? For a purpose, to go to the cross so that his people could be redeemed. Uh, the Lord will return with a purpose and, and us with him. You know, God, God has purposes for uh, that which he does. Uh, sometimes you see people just kind of wandering through life kind of aimlessly without purpose. God's not like that, amen? Uh, he does what he does, whatever it will be, according to his will and for his purposes. So um, it would seem to be the case that God is supernaturally exacerbating the fearfulness of the enemy here uh, to, to work them up into a situation where they become confused and begin to start attacking each other. Uh, that, that, that's, that's quite a thing. Uh, so we'll see verse 16. Saul's, Saul's got watchmen that are kind of looking out in the land. Uh, that's probably just a normal thing. These are probably just scouts that he had scouting for enemy troops, right? Verse 16, the watchmen of Saul and Gebeah of Benjamin looked and behold, the multitude melted away uh, and they went on beating down one another. So uh, Saul's got these scouts maybe high up on one of these cliffs and they're, they're looking out. Uh, at the situation, uh, and, and evidently they're, they're reporting back, or at some point they report back, this multitude of Philistines, something is happening there because it's like they're melting away. This giant army is melting away like an ice cube in the sun. It was a thing and it was hard, and you know, it, 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 but here they are, something is happening uh, that's causing them to melt away. They're being struck down like they're being melted away like an ice cube. Uh, and they see this also, uh, and they went on beating down uh, one another. Now, I know one another is italicized, right? Is it italicized in your Bible? Is, is it? So translators have added those words um, for context and for our understanding. But I think they've done that because the implication of, of the language that, that is there uh, is pretty clear. They're attacking themselves. Uh, they, they've been... Uh, stirred up and, and, and so flustered uh, by this attack uh, and, and this earthquake uh, from the Lord that there's just such a state of confusion uh, that, that they are literally attacking each other. Can God do that? Can God do that? By the way, can he give a peace to people that's as much of a peace as the confusion is confusion here. God, God, can, God can also give us that thing way on the other side of that equation, right? He caused people into such a panic that they begin to attack each other. Or when, when people will look to the Lord and, and make their concerns known to him with thanksgiving, he give us a peace that is as great as that confusion and panic is uh, over here. Well, God is doing this. Uh, God is doing this. He, he's able to do this. Um, Brother Art, I, I just, <laughs> I can't help but, but notice here that there's just two men, right? A leader and a follower, and, and God, they, they were faithful, they, they looked to the Lord, they asked for God's leading, they followed God's leading, God blessed them, enabled them to accomplish something they should not have been able to accomplish. But, but then God just went on and supernaturally uh, working through them and, and supernaturally adding to the equation his own action, uh, so much more than two men should be able to accomplish is being accomplished here. So, and it's such a visible thing that men watching from 
I think a considerable distance are able to see this and just marvel at it and, and wonder at it. Um, God can still work supernaturally through one or two or three or, or a small church in Trumbull, Connecticut and accomplish uh, infinitely more than should be possible. Uh, infinitely more than, than should be possible. That's exactly uh, what you see here. Uh, well, <laughs> about this time, People wake up and say, hey, Jonathan's missing. Where's Jonathan? Uh, verse 17, then Saul said unto the people that were with him, number now, count everyone up, see who's missing, uh, see who has gone from us. They're, they're wondering, hey, who, are there some people over there uh, putting hurt on the Philistines? When they had numbered, when they counted everybody up, behold, Jonathan and his armor bearer uh, were not there. Uh, and so uh, Saul calls Ahiah, the priest, to inquire of the Lord, or if the Lord would have him to join the battle. They see a battle. They know something's going on over there. And, and Saul realizes Jonathan's not here. Well, in the last chapter, Jonathan had gone out to harass the Philistines. So he reasonably concludes Jonathan probably has something to do with that. Uh, so he, he, he quick gets uh, Mr. Ahiah, the priest, uh, and asks him, should I, should I join the battle? But then what happens is that it seems like the battle heats up all that much more. Saul gets another report uh, and he says, listen, uh, th this thing that we could hardly describe before, you can't even believe what it looks like now. This, this thing is really raging. It's, it's, it's a burning, raging fire. We can't even believe uh, what's going on over there. So Saul, who was inclined to seek the Lord's direction, uh, kind of like Jonathan did. Uh, he was inclined to go to, uh, who's the priest? I forgot, who is he? Ahiah. And say, hey, uh, maybe, maybe using the Uman and Thurman, or uh, probably that's the way they would have uh, ascertained this. He says, he calls for the priest and says, should, should ask the Lord. Do your thing. Ask the Lord, should, I, should we join the battle uh, or not? Then he gets this report that things are heating up, and he says, uh, on second thought, forget it. I'm just going. I'm just going. Now, you might say that's practical and wise. He thinks his son is in harm's way, and um, he's got 600 men, right? So you might say it'd be practical and, and wise if he thinks things are really heating up and Jonathan, the, the risk to Jonathan is growing, uh, that rather than just waiting to hear from the Lord, he should just take his men and go into battle. Brother Art, you, you could understand the, the temptation to do that, right? Uh, this would be the temptation. Uh, what should he do? What should he do? What would, be the, what would be the wisest thing, Brother Ray Metric, for Saul to do right now? He gets a report, man, there's an urgent need for someone, or it looks this way at least. I've heard that it looks like there's an urgent need for someone to intercede. Um, it sounds a little bit like the last chapter, doesn't it? <laughs> he, he, uh, he was tasked to be patient in the last chapter, wait for Samuel to come and perform the sacrifice before he went into battle. Well, he, he's about to get spiritual here and, and seek the Lord, but he gets this, this report and he's going to have trouble being patient again. What should he do? What should, should he wait or should he go? I think he should wait, don't you? He, sh he should seek the Lord's counsel. He should wait for Mr. Priest Ahia to get an answer from the Lord and, and then do uh, whatever the Lord said. Didn't know what Jonathan, his armor bearer, did down there in the valley? 
They waited for the answer, and they did. They did according to the answer they got, and God blessed them. Uh, Saul is, he's going to vacillate here <laughs> between faithfully seeking the Lord and unfaithfully just being impatient and, and doing what he thinks is the practical thing to do. Um, brother, our, I, I'm reminded tonight that oftentimes it, it seems like the practical thing to do would be this. And we don't even have to pray about it because it just seems so obvious that this is what we should do. Um, but how many times have we done that and then regretted not having first prayed? <laughs> oh, Lord, this just seems so obvious. I just went and did it. I didn't need to pray. Uh, but, the, but then, you know, it didn't turn out right or it seemed like God wasn't in that. And so you're reminded, you learned a lesson in your own experience probably more than once that, man, if I had, if I had stopped and prayed, uh, I'll bet you the Lord would not give, have given me peace about what seemed obvious. Uh, he might have pretty clearly um, convicted me in my spirit to go in a different direction. Now, what's the challenge when God does that? Brother Ray Metchik, when, when you pray and you feel like God is leading you in a different direction, and, and that direction seems like the impractical, not obvious way, the way that you just, you know, people think I'm crazy if I go that way. <laughs> uh, that's, that's its own kind of trial, right? The first trial is just taking a deep breath and, and, and seeking the Lord. And then when the Lord doesn't give you peace about that, but it's pretty clearly guiding you this way, but you know, that way seems crazy or will look crazy to others. That's a trial too, right? Because why? Why is that a trial? Why is that a trial? Why? Zach, thoughts on that? Why would it be a trial when you know God seems to be pointing you in this direction, but that way is going to look crazy to other people? Why is that, why is that a trial? What is it? It hurts your pride. Why? I agree, yes, but why? Why, is that, why does that become a trial of pride? Because we're concerned about what? What other people think about us? <laughs> yeah. we're about, people will think I'm crazy if I do this. This is what the, uh, you know, everybody would think I would do because it seems like the practical, obvious thing to do. But I don't have peace about this, and instead I'm convicted. Just God is just all over me that I should go this way, but that's going to look crazy, and people are going to think I'm crazy. Uh, anybody like that? Brother Ray, you like it when people think you're crazy? Do they ever think that? <laughs> Lord, help us to... Be more concerned about what you think than what other people think. You ever pray that? God, help me to put aside my pride and to be more concerned with following you and obeying you and, and staying yielded to your spirit. Spirit, and be more concerned about that than what other people think. I think this is this is what Saul would be um, concerned with here. Doesn't. You know, any, anyone would think, hey, there's a, there's a, there's a threat. Go, just, just go. This Bible says, Saul, verse 18, Saul said unto Ahiah, bring hither the ark of God. This may be where the, the umim and thurmim were uh, kept. Uh, For the ark uh, of God was at that time with the children of Israel. And it came to pass, verse 19, well, Saul talked unto the priest that the noise that was in the host of the Philistines, went on and increased. Got louder, sounded scarier, more dangerous. 
And Saul said unto the priest, uh-uh. He said, withdraw thy hand. On second thought, never mind. That's what he's saying. On, on second thought, never mind. I don't even know, need to know what you think or what God thinks. I know what needs to happen. That's a dangerous place to be. That is a really dangerous place to be. Lord, help us to get a hold of the idea that we should always seek you. We should never assume when there's an important decision to make, and when one needs to be, especially when a decision needs to be made quickly. Now, this is a situation that, you know, probably did warrant a quick decision, but especially when it, the stakes are high, and especially when a decision needs to be made quickly, we need to take a deep breath and just say, okay, Lord, uh, help me, guide me, give me wisdom, uh, help me to know your leading, help me to bring to mind biblical principles that may bear on this decision and apply them. Help me to get the right counsel at the right time. Uh, safety and a multitude of counselors, right? Lord, guide me and direct me. Don't let me do what seems necessary if that's not what you would have uh, me to do. Well, Saul just joins in. Verse 20, Saul and all the people that were with him assembled themselves and they came to battle. Uh, verse 20, uh, next part of verse 20 says, and behold, every man's sword was against his fellow uh, and there was very great discomfiture. Um, that, that second part of verse 20 may be reiterating the confusion among the Philistines. Um, it, it may be that. It also may be implying that um, Saul's forces suffered some of the same, uh, perhaps as a consequence of Saul not having thought the Lord. I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. If, if, if you're sure, come and tell me afterwards, please. Uh, I'm not real sure, but I, what I do know is it's one or the other. This, this confusion, the state of a, a confusion continued to, uh, to be a thing. Every, every man's sword was against his fellow, and there was uh, very great discomfiture. Um, it, it seems to me that the language is, is relating directly to Saul it's, and, uh, and his forces. But I know a lot of the commentators uh, say, no, that's just more of what was going on before. But when I read it, it seems like there's a, there's a consequence here. God's pouring out a consequence to Saul and, and his forces because they hadn't sought the Lord and followed the Lord. Um, we do see some other things here quickly. Let's, let's go just a, a few more verses here, then, then we'll stop. Uh, it says, moreover, the Hebrews that were with the Philistines um, before that time, which went up unto them into the camp from the country round about, even they also turned to be with the Israelites that were Saul and Jonathan. So uh, there were some people off on the side who saw that, um, you know, God's people were in battle here, and uh, they probably heard that Jonathan had a victory quickly, and the, the, the word was getting around, and so there are people kind of coming onto the playing field from the sidelines, God, God's people, and some of them, verse 21, are people that were with the Philistines, and um, I don't know if these could be people perhaps that had been enslaved uh, by the Philistines, or some have suggested they might have been traitors they had gone over to the other side, but we're concerned now that they were on the losing side, so they want back. Uh, I don't know, um, but, but God is moving people around here as he desires. Uh, verse 22, likewise, all the men of Israel, which hid themselves uh, in Mount Ephraim, so some had been hiding from the enemy, and, and the Philistines knew that, because that's how they taunted Jonathan and his his, uh, his helper, right? They said, oh, you're coming out of hiding? They, they knew that some of God's people were hiding. Likewise, all the men of Israel which had hid themselves in Mount Ephraim when they heard the Philistines fled, uh, even they also followed hard after them in, bottle, in battle. Uh, so God is adding to the forces of those um, who 
would be available to continue uh, to go after the Philistines. And Marilyn, I think all of this, um, all, despite Saul's unfaithfulness and, and his mistakes, I think in, in the bigger picture here, God is continuing to bless Jonathan and his armor bearer by assembling a larger force here uh, that could multiply the victory that had been sparked by these two faithful men, these two men that placed their faith uh, in the Lord. Uh, look at verse 23, and, and we'll end here. It's a good place to end. Verse 23 says this, So who? The Lord. So the Lord saved Israel that day. Well, wait a second. Wasn't it Jonathan and his armor bearer? Wasn't it these other forces that came off the sidelines onto the playing field? No. <laughs> no, it couldn't be. Remember how unlikely it would have been that Jonathan and his armor bearer could have had this victory uh, and how unlikely it would be that victory would spark others to join into the battle and multiply the victory. It, 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 was, it began with just two faithful men, men whose faith was in the Lord. God gave them a supernatural victory. Uh, God uh, exacerbated the fear of the enemy with an earthquake, caused them to attack one another. Uh, God called others to join into the battle so that the victory could be multiplied. But it was based on the faith of two men who just stepped out in faith and, and allowed God to guide them. So the Lord saved Israel that day, uh, and the battle passed over unto uh, Beth-Avon. Um, why didn't Jonathan tell anyone what he was going to do? Why didn't he tell his dad? Dad, I'm going to go harass those Philistines, and if God will let me, I'm going to attack them. I'm going to really whoop them. Why didn't he tell his dad? Why didn't he tell him? Why didn't he leave a note? <laughs> Send a text. Dad, I'm on my way to uh, attack the Philistines. He could have sent an email, Marilyn. <laughs> Why didn't he tell him? Why didn't he tell him? Why didn't he tell him? Any thoughts? I think there's there's few things, but um, I, I think the idea is consistent with the whole picture here. Um, I think that the Lord simply didn't give him peace about that. Lord sent him out without that because God was setting the stage for the Lord to have to get full credit for the victory, right? Uh, sister, if, if Jonathan has told his dad before he left, dad would have either said no, uh, potentially limiting the, the whole account and God's glory not being accrued here, or he would have said, well, okay, great, but I'm going with you. We're taking these 600 guys. What if he had done that? What if he had gone in there with those 600 guys? Would this look like the supernatural miracle that it clearly is. It would look less like that, right? We, we'd be less wowed by the awesomeness of the, this demonstration of, of God's miraculous power. So I, I think that's the reason. I think the Lord just, you know, didn't have him to do that, didn't lead him to do that, or at least gave him peace about not doing that because the Lord was sovereignly setting the stage here for uh, him to get the credit, for him to work miraculously 
if two men, if two men would just step out in faith and trust God. So the Lord saved Israel that day and the battle passed over unto uh, Beth Avon. Um, if two men step out in faith today, could God still accomplish some miraculous things? Church, uh, if they'll follow the Lord, if they'll follow the Lord, if they'll be yielded to him and, and follow his leading along the way. What about two ladies? Could two ladies step out in faith in some appropriate biblical way and, 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 and see God work in their lives miraculously? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll stop there and pray, please. Father, we do thank you today for this account. Lord, it's, uh, it's supernatural. It's exciting. It's, it's awesome, Lord, to see uh, the courage that you gave Jonathan and, and, Lord, to understand that it's a courage that's based in, in a faith in you. It's a blessing from you. Uh, Lord, I, I thank you uh, today uh, for the clear reminder that uh, two believers, one or two believers who would step out in faith, not faith in just any old thing, but Lord, faith in you with a desire to seek you and to be led by you. Lord, those are, those are individuals that you can accomplish much through. Father, I pray that each of us individually would be those individuals, people willing to step out in faith according to your leading, according to your word, uh, to minister and to accomplish that which you desire. Father, I pray this uh, tonight, not this morning, but tonight, that uh, we be a church of people like that, people who are willing to step out in faith individually as you lead, but also corporately as you lead. Father, I don't know tonight uh, exactly where uh, you will take this church in the next year or two or three, but I do pray, Lord, that if you would call us to take a step of faith, Lord, that we would be willing to do that, whatever that may involve. Lord, give us a heart, I pray tonight, give us a heart uh, to take steps of faith as you lead and always, always with hearts that are yielded and according to your words. Lord, I love you tonight. I thank you that you can still use your people. We don't have to be great in numbers for you to accomplish great things. Lord, I thank you so much for that reminder tonight. Lord, I love you. I thank you for uh, the commission you've given us. I thank you for our church, for our church family. Uh, Lord, that you are working here. I, I thank you and I ask you, Lord, to, to help us be more usable, to be more faithful. Father, I pray all this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Zach, you come, please. as we turn to our next song you'll find hymn number 219 I've got peace like a river let's sing all three verses I've got peace like a river I've got peace like a river got peace like a river in my soul I've got peace like a river I've got peace a river I've got peace like a river in my soul I've got joy I've got love like an ocean I've got love like an ocean in my soul I've got love 
I've got love like an ocean, I've got love like an ocean in my soul. I've got joy like a fountain, I've got joy like a fountain, joy like a fountain in my soul. I've got joy like a fountain, I've got joy, a fountain, I've got joy like a fountain in my soul. Amen. You may be seated.